Hey everyone, Pastor John here, and welcome back to 1611 Devotionals. Let's take a moment to pause all that we're doing, quiet our hearts, our thoughts, and turn our focus upon the Lord. God, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so like your disciples, we want to prioritize you in this moment and receive from you what we need most, your very own truth, your very own words, and the grace that we need, therefore, to follow after you today. Help us to hear you and obey uh, your voice today. We pray in your Son's name. Amen. Our passage today is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. Most uh, theologians today, commentators, date the book of Hebrews to before AD 70, before the destruction of the temple. And the reason is because the author makes uh, a lot of references to temple worship that makes it more plausible that the temple was still there, present, uh, during the time this book was written. So this is very early on, just years after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And yet, referring to his own time, he says in verse 2, in these last days. And that is the same uh, word and phrase that's used to refer to the end times, or in the Greek, eschatos. And of course, that's fascinating because when we think about the phrase last days or end times, we think we are. Uh, much closer to that time and quantitatively uh, the day on which Jesus will return is a lot more imminent to us than it was to them. But see when the biblical authors use the word end times or last days they mean something different than what we modern people mean by it. What biblical authors mean by the phrase is not something quantitative but something that's more qualitative and that is what kind of a time they were living in. They were living in a time when they have received God's final and most complete form of revelation. And according to verse 2, that complete and final revelation is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That is what defines the end times or the last days. It is the time in which God has already revealed uh, all that He has to reveal through His Son. And the only thing that's remaining now is for Jesus to return 
but there will be no more revelations. There will be no more new books added to the Bible, no new apostle that surfaces. Why? Because Christ is God's final and most complete revelation. And what's also interesting is that the book of Hebrews was written to Christians who were suffering severe persecution. Persecution coming from Romans, uh, persecution coming from their own countrymen, the Jews who were uh, kicking them out of the synagogue, who persecuted them and imprisoned them, uh, Saul being a prime example of this. And yet, as the author of Hebrews opens up his letter and mentions these last days, uh, he doesn't say anything about what's going to happen politically or economically, societally, but he leaves them with a detailed description of who Jesus, the Son of God, is. He is the creator of the world. He is the glory of God. He upholds the universe by the word of his power, and he purifies sins. And having done that, he has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That is who Jesus is. It is as though the author is saying, even as you face severe persecution, even though you will very soon lose what was once a great symbol of hope, the temple, what you need more than any of these things is the deep awareness and confidence of who Jesus, the Son of God, is. That He still reigns, He still rules, and that He is still King over all of your life and circumstances. And that is God's most complete and final revelation to you. It's Jesus. So even as we today face various trials and tribulations, we can heed this message. We can turn our focus to Jesus, who is still sovereign over those trials and tribulations. And when we apply this truth to all that we are experiencing today, whether it's something we experience bodily, relationally, emotionally, or politically, we can see it all as things that fall under the kingship of Christ and his law and his gospel. So instead of losing hope, we can be comforted under any circumstance and every circumstance by this fact that Christ is still king over all of my life and all of my circumstances. So let's consider how this truth can impact the way we see the world and our own lives today. How might seeing Jesus as king over my relationships affect the way I speak or behave in those relationships today? How might believing in Jesus' control over all of the world's events affect the way I think and pray about the world's events? How might the control of Christ over all of history from its start to its finish, affect the way I view the uncertainty that's ahead and help me to focus on my duties today and be faithful to this day only. Let's turn to God now in prayer and ask Him to help us to consider Jesus in all that we think and say and do today.
Our Heavenly Father, we confess that when we look around the world, we become anxious, we become fearful. But when we look up, we see your Son, as revealed in Scripture, the one who holds the universe together by the word of his power, and the one who is sitting on his throne. And so, Lord, even though all the outward things are wasting away, and change and decay is all that we see, help us not to put our hope in what we see with our physical eyes, but in your Son, whom we trust with a spiritual faith. And may his glory and his power and his majesty reign over our hearts and our lives and affect our every word, thought, and deed. We pray in the glorious and powerful name of Jesus, the Son of God. Amen.